now I have very few responsibilities <laughs> other than trying to build a billion dollar business. And that's a beautiful thing. Hey everyone, it's me, Megan, and welcome back to another episode of Happiness Talks. I just want everyone to do a quick quick raising of their hands if you ever rode a school bus when you were younger. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of hands. Okay, um, have you ever been stuck behind a school bus while driving your car and it like took you forever to get to wherever you were going? Mm-hmm, yeah, no, I see you back there, yeah. Um, and has your school bus ever stopped at a house whose kid wasn't even on the bus? Whoa, okay, yeah, everyone, everyone raised their hand for that one. All right, so basically, I just, I feel like there should be a way to increase efficiency in the bus riding world for everyone across the country, and I just really wish that there was something that we could do about that, you know? <sighs> Wait a second, guys, guys, I just remembered, there is something, there is something that can help. So luckily, there is a solution to all of these problems thanks to my friend Keith. Have you ever had a brilliant, life-changing, efficient business idea, but you were only 17 and you had no idea how to make it come to life? Well, if you want to hear how soon-to-be college graduate Keith Corso, also known as the CEO of BusRite, has completely transformed the bus industry, keep listening. Hello, Keith. How are you today? I'm good, Megan. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you, too. I have to say really quick that... I'm a little nervous. I've never been in the presence of like a CEO ever. I mean, I probably have, but like not face-to-face -face talking in this, in this setting. So I'm a little nervous. You know, there's absolutely nothing <laughs> to be nervous about. Um, being a CEO is not something that I think people should admire or, or put on a pedestal whatsoever. Um, you've been a captain of sports teams before. <laughs> you've been a successful writer in college and many other things okay, in between. Oh, okay. Come on, there's, there's nothing to, to put on a pedestal for, but, but thanks for having me on the show, Megan. Of course, and thank you for those kind words. Um, I do want to get into that whole let's not put CEO on a pedestal later because that sounds yeah. like a fun topic, but I wanted to start this off with a fun little story like a little memory i have of you and me probably like the only memory that's ever existed um so for all of you out there listening keith and i went to high school together um keith is a year older than me and like we never like we were friendly but like i really didn't know you at yeah. all um and there was one night where we happened to be at the same house um you were on the baseball team i was on the soccer team and there, there was a little get together yes and um, <laughs> I literally love this story. For any investors listening to this conversation, I promise that this story will like totally attest to Keith's like loyalty and like responsibility and just like his all around good nature. So basically we were at a friend's house and as people do, people got hungry later into the night and there's like this deli in our town that people go to. So we were in the same car going to the deli and you were like a couple bucks short, like three bucks, whatever. I don't know what you were getting. I don't know why I had literally $3 in my pocket, but I gave you the three bucks and you went and got whatever, probably like a bacon and a cheese, who cares? So the night ended, the weekend happened, whatever. We go back to school on Monday and I'm like, I'm never going to talk to you like ever again, really. Like when am I ever going to see you? And <laughs> here we are but like um I was in the senior section for some reason which is like where the seniors in the cafeteria sit 
and you called me over and I was like, why is this kid calling me over? Like, what did I do? Like, I have no idea. And you gave me the three, you paid me back. You gave me $3 back. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it was literally $3. And like, I'll never forget that just because I was like, this kid is golden. Like, (laughs) thank you. You know, my my hands are sweating because I wasn't sure where you were going to take that story was, but I'm glad it was overall positive and that you remembered that. Wow. Interesting. I know. know. The start of the story, you were probably like, Megan, what are you about to tell everyone? Seriously. (laughs) I just agreed to do this this podcast. I'm not on video. What's about to come out here? All the scandals from high school. No, Um, just the nicest little story ever. So to all the investors who are listening, he will not break his promises. Thank you. He will return the favor. And that's all I have to say. Hopefully just... we'll, we'll return more than the $3 initially. <laughs> that's the goal. But uh, yeah, anyway, right. I'm glad we at least came out flat. It starts, it starts baby steps, right? <laughs> so in order to kind of talk about your business and everything that you're doing, give me your best like Shark Tank pitch. I'll, I'll take a little bit of a different approach. I'll try to keep it really short and mm-hmm. sweet. Um, but school buses are our nation's largest mass transit system by far. Mm-hmm. And that system is being run largely on pen and paper or really antiquated and archaic technology. And so there's about 26 million students that take a school bus at least twice a day, every single day of the year. And what we provide is technology to empower transportation directors, drivers, and parents with information to increase school bus safety and efficiency. That comes in the form of efficient routing real-time driver navigation and live parent bus tracking app technology so um that's kind of in a nutshell but i think people don't understand the extent of which the school bus impacts so many people across the country and the fact that it's been running with the same technology that has been since the first bus hit the road first of all wasn't as fun as a shark tank pitch i'm so sorry but it you gave me all the information i needed to know second Second of all, how many times have you said those exact words because it sounded very well put together and rehearsed? Like how many times do people ask you that? So the combination of that, this is the first time because this is a different type of, of environment. <laughs> um, but I have to get, I have to give the intro story, which I'd say I usually like to give around it's like two to three minutes, the intro story of how Busway got started, why, why we're doing what we're doing, um, when we're interviewing, when we're raising money, um, when we're talking to customers and all that kind of good stuff. So um, by this point, you know, there's, there's a couple different pitches down, but that one was actually like, I started to just pull from, from, from different, um, you know, stories that, that I've given in the past. It was okay. Well, I mean, I'm honored that you chose an original for Happiness Talks, <laughs> but like, I loved it. Um, that was my next question. The thing that I love about entrepreneurs and like people who come up with different simple innovations to solve simple problems that like nobody ever thinks of, it's just like so fascinating and so incredible to me that like, the fact that you, you, like you were, how old were you? 17. 17, like that's so little. That's little. And the fact that you came up with such a massive idea that has now secured $2.5 million in investing, right? Did I get that right? Perfect. Yeah. I read, I did my homework. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how did it start? And like, how did you ever think it would get to this? How did it start? Ooh, um, it started. It started actually in Chappaqua, where both of us grew oh. up. I was found myself waiting outside in the frigid New York winter mornings, probably like you might have, um, wondering <laughs> where my school bus was. Always so late. I'd call. 
the site school secretary, the principal, and not only did they have no idea where my bus was, but it turns out they didn't know where any of the buses were in their entire fleet. And so um, I then, uh, you know, years later, was driving home from high school, really, and I was stuck behind that bus that I took growing up, driven by Joy, one of my great friends and bus driver. And that bus had made these four consecutive stops, Megan, and not one student got off the bus at each stop. It was actually a Friday, and so I'm like looking, trying to look into the bus. Right. And I would say about 10% of seats were were full right after leaving the school. Of course. So, and especially at Bell in town, it's a lot worse. Where where I, you know, I went to school. You went to Bell, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, Fridays, no one takes the bus because everyone's walking around town. Right. So basically our middle school was literally located in town. So on Fridays, all the kids would go into town and like get pizza and go shopping and spend random money at Walgreens and Rite Aid or whatever. Um, No one would take the bus because it was Friday. And so there would maybe be literally 10%, like a handful of people who were taking the bus and the buses still had to take every single stop. And like I was the last stop. Um from kindergarten to all the way through middle school, I was the last stop on my bus. And it took 35 to 40 minutes from the time we left the parking lot at school for me to get home. That's a long time to be sitting on a bus with a bunch of kids. It gets so hot. It kind of like, it gets kind of smelly. Like I hated the bus. So I'm sure that this will change change that opinion for many. <laughs> yeah, and, and Megan, what I'm driving towards is that ridership fluctuates every day whether mm-hmm. it's you're playing soccer after school for the you know spring season and so you're not taking the bus right. or or hanging out after school or meeting with a teacher there's all these reasons why ridership fluctuates but that route is created with the assumption that everyone that goes to the school is also going to be taking the bus so um that was kind of one of the realizations where it doesn't just impact the bus itself but it also impacts every other car seniors in that case and also people caught in traffic that are mimicking the wasteful motion of that vehicle so uh, needless to say, there were those two particular problems that I ran into that prompted me to now, years later, talk to several hundred transportation directors, school administrators. That's when I learned how massive our, our school bus system is and also how archaic and underserved these transportation offices are in terms of tooling and technology, funding and processes um, to really safely mobilize our nation's future to school every day. It's an incredibly underappreciated role, um, and most people don't even realize that there is a separate transportation office in the basement of these districts or often to a separate site. Because the only reason you ever know is when you call and the bus is running late, it's broken down. And so these people get calls all day long telling them how bad of a job they're doing. And it's really just a, um, uh, it's it's an incredible, all of them, routers, dispatchers, mechanics, transportation directors, they're helping us all get to school every day. And we all just think, oh, the bus runs on time or it's a little bit late. And, you know, there's nothing that happens behind the scenes. But there's a lot of work uh, behind the scenes and, and we're helping guide that. Okay. I I mean, I'll just say that my bus driver from kindergarten is like was like the best person ever. And every time we saw him up until high school, because like he transferred to the high school buses sometimes like nicest guy. I would always go on the bus. We'd have full conversations. He remembers everything. He remembers my mom, my dog, like walking yeah. on the street, like bus drivers are amazing people. And I feel like a lot of the times it's so easy to get so annoyed or frustrated. Like, yeah. oh, my God, the bus is late. Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. Like when a lot of the times it's not even their fault. And like, I think that you creating this platform to help them get kids to school more efficiently, like will not even, not only help people get to school quicker, but like, I feel like maybe the relationships with their bus drivers could benefit as well. 
No, I, I totally agree. And, and a little more than 80% of all school bus fleets across the country are suffering from this driver shortage, which maybe you've read about. And that means there are less drivers than there are number of buses and routes that need to be driven. And so every day, transportation directors are trying to figure out how do they fill in the gaps when they're waking up at 4.30 in the morning and drivers are calling out sick, they can't come to work, they're retiring early, particularly with COVID exacerbating these issues. So the problem then becomes, how do you tell a driver about this whole new route with three different tiers, elementary, middle, high school, how do you tell them where they're going to go, what part of town, unique aspects of certain like intersections are picking students up on, like narrow roads they shouldn't go down. There's so much institutional knowledge that is lost because it's all in the driver's head. And now when you have this driver shortage, Megan is now jumping into three buses mm -hmm. in one week as a driver, and you have no idea where you're going. And so now with bus right, you know, you can download an app, drivers punch in, they click start navigation, they're underway, and they get real-time turn-by-turn navigation that's specific to not only the bus asset to make sure it's not going down roads that have weight limits or overpasses, but it's also specific to their route. And we have something called stop notes, for example, where let's say Megan lives at the house with a yellow mailbox, but it's really hard to find. So the driver needs to know it's got a yellow mailbox. You can actually, as a driver or a transportation director, make stop notes like that. So it will feed that driver audio prompts in addition to turn-by-turn -turn navigation. Um, so that's a, I know I went pretty specific on this one use case, but mm -hmm. drivers are, are the front, you know, frontline heroes that get us to school every day and, and we're trying to make them um, better at their jobs as well. Not only that, but you're trying to learn this whole new, like all these drivers are used to using their phone, whether it's Waze or Google Maps, right. et cetera. And all of a sudden during their bus route, they're now having to refer to this paper route sheet and this paper route sheet is either typed up in Word, handwritten. Right. It's like on a napkin almost, a little exaggeration there. No, but people um, are like, what is this? <laughs> but it's also like in the winter too, you, it's you know, 6 a.m. in the morning when they're leaving the bus lot, 6.30, it's pitch blackout. They're looking at a paper route sheet mm -hmm. and they're also trying to drive at the same time. It's really unsafe. And so that turn-by-turn -turn visual and also audio um, is, is super helpful. So you were 17 and you came up with the idea. When did you, what was your first step? Did you tell your mom? Were you like, mom, I have this great idea. Like how did this kind of get the wheels turning a little bit? Yeah, first three steps. First was um, I came home, I told my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, what if there was this way for students to basically check into the bus so that the driver at least knew which stops to make or at least which ones they could skip on their existing route. And then what if you could use that same app to track the live location of the bus, just like all 30 social media apps on your phone are tracking every single move that you make. Oh my God, um, scary. So that was like, the, that was the first idea. Then that was the first step. The second step was the next morning I was on mock trial. I was an avid mock trial attorney at Greeley. And <laughs> our coach was Mr. Hosier, who you're obviously familiar with. Yes. And he, you know, being the assistant principal at the time, was intimately familiar with some of the challenges around student transportation. He was connected to the bus company called Chappaqua Transportation. And so he, um, you know, validated like these challenges that I was thinking about just 24 hours prior. And then finally, that next week, I went to Northeastern um, after getting rejected from my top school where all I wanted to do was study hospitality. So, you know, resorts, resort management companies. Oh my God, you'd be so good at that. Desk. I wanted to do that forever. Uh, but anyway, got rejected um, and then kind of had to figure out what was next. But I was starting to you know, tour different schools for different admitted students days. And one of those was Northeastern. And so I drove three hours 
um, to go to one event, and that was the Husky Startup Challenge. That's like your flagship semester-long pitch competition. I got there. I spoke to the directors after the presentation, and I was just sold uh, on both Northeastern and also the broader Boston community and the resources that it provides to its student founders. And um, was able to participate in that in my first semester and was fortunate enough to win that. I won $2,500. It felt like more money than I could know what to do with. Um, and that was kind of where everything opened up and the opportunities were endless. Okay, you you went from twenty five hundred dollars to two point five million in on in like four years. Is that right? Um, kind of. Just go with it. Just go with it. Sure, sure. That's about right. Yeah, like that's crazy. Um, second, just a quick side note: you guys heard that Keith got rejected from his top school, and you guys know, or maybe you don't. I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Like everything happens for a reason. You might not see it in the moment, especially with college admissions. If any of you guys are like seniors or anything, it might feel like the end of the world. Keith, um, did you ball your eyes out? Like, were you devastated? I was distraught. You know, the, the whole idea, this is a hot take. The whole idea that everything <laughs> happens, for, happens for a reason. I somewhat agree with that. My pushback is that mm-hmm. if you are somewhat motivated and you can make the best out of an opportunity or the best out of a challenging situation, then you're going to... Um, you're going to find the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And when you find that light, you can look back and, and you can start to draw the, the path, right? right. But, uh, you know, um, I'll tell you right now, like during COVID, when all school buses went off the road and our team was struggling and we were trying to figure out what the funding environment was going to look like, I'm like, does everything really happen for a reason? <laughs> this is really freaking hard. Right. I know. No, it is hard. And like, I am actually have, I have a blog post coming out soon about why I believe everything happens for a reason. And some people are like, <laughs> but sometimes it's hard to like keep up the faith or like some really yeah. sucky things happen, which is true. So I appreciate the pushback. Um, but moral of the story is Keith is doing just fine um, coming out of Northeastern and <laughs> clearly doing just fine. So yeah. you get to Northeastern. Your first step is what? Joining the entrepreneurship club? First step was joining Husky Startup Challenge, which is a one of several programs that falls within the Entrepreneurs Club, which okay. is the largest club at Northeastern. Um, so that was the first step, and then there's a whole bunch of other resources that that I was fortunate enough to get involved with. So you know, just to name a few, Idea is the venture accelerator on campus. They we ended up getting about twenty thousand dollars of non dilutive funding. So non dilutive is basically just a cash, you know, cash. Um, it's nice. not for you know, no strings attached. <laughs> so that was helpful. Um, ended up uh, placing second at um, the largest undergraduate pitch competition in the country. So got like $40,000 from the founder of Best Buy, which was great. Um, got to spend some time with them. And just like those kind of resources at the kind of collegiate level that students can take advantage of, I don't think enough do. Um, and I think there's no better time or, or place than to do that in college. When throughout college did bus right really like get the wheels on the bus, get it kind of like wheels on the bus? Yeah, Keith, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Okay, I <laughs> just acknowledge the joke. Um, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But so, please explain. Yeah, um, we, we really, I think, had some good momentum following. Um, we had some good momentum when we got accepted into Underscore VC Summer Accelerator. Underscore VC is a reputable venture capital firm in Boston. And they took 10 companies to be a part of their summer accelerator and work out of the old city hall in Boston. Cool. It was phenomenal a couple summers ago. And then following that, they were our first, they were our first check into our $500,000 pre-seed round. So 
that kind of money and, and really kind of gave us the legs to hire full-time engineers um, from a couple of different countries. And that was incredibly meaningful. That gave us the ability to, to continue building out a product, both on iOS, Android, and then a web app to mm -hmm. basically act as like the brains of our product ecosystem. So once we had this like fully, you know, more flushed out MVP, if you will, minimum viable product, we were able to take that to the market, um, get customers in, in several different states. And then that is ultimately, um, I think, how we got to this most recent financing round, which is, I think, you know, giving us a good amount of momentum and resources to, to continue doubling down on team and expansion. Yeah. So did you ever want to try to bring it? Did you bring it to Chappaqua? Did you bring it home? Like, did you pitch it there at all or? Oh, it's a good question. I, I've tried a couple times. Um, I keep kind of going back. There's some discussion within the district and the bus company of uh, bringing on a solution like this. I think it'd be very fitting. Um, but right now, there aren't any definitive plans. So now you mentioned that you've been able to hire people from different countries and you have a new co-founder. Um, how have you been able to delegate different um, responsibilities on different people? You started out by yourself, right? And kind of? Yeah. Okay, so I know that for me, like, I'm such a control freak in the sense that I like to make sure I know exactly what's going on at all times in whatever has to do with, like, my blog. Like, I'm the only person who writes my blog and does my podcast or anything, sure. but I, if it were to grow to something that Buswright has, I feel like I would have a hard time, like, giving off little duties to people to do because I would want to make sure they're being done, like, the my way, <laughs> the right way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how did you kind of transition into a bigger um, uh, workforce? Yeah, so most of our team member, members up until recently have been product slash engineering focused. So bringing on a, a technical co-founder who can really build out a strong technical foundation on the team I think has been really helpful. But it, it also helps when you bring on people around you who are much smarter than you. Hmm. Like our head of product has been the CIO of some of the top 10 largest school districts in the country. Wow. Um, you know, co-founder has worked at companies like Google, NVIDIA, the Air Force Research Laboratory, et cetera. Um, our team members are so much smarter than me. And every time that I interview someone, I'm <laughs> like, what, what do they, like, how much do they know that I don't know? Because the goal is for them to know so much more that I can learn from them, but also that makes it, you know, that makes delegation that much easier when you know that they're the best person to take right. care of this. So for example, we're hiring a head of sales right now. I've been the head of sales up, up until this point <laughs> and I love selling. I love going to trade shows. I love talking to transportation directors. I love cold calling, reach out to people on LinkedIn. Me like, too. It's so fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a um, nervous, but, uh, uh, but also exciting thing to do. Um, and bringing on this head of sales, like I want to be that head of sales, but I recognize that I haven't scaled a company to 10 X growth in 12 months. And I haven't, you know, rolled out with the types of tooling and processes needed to reach that kind of sustainable growth. So I need to bring on someone who has done it before, maybe even in this industry, who is a lot smarter than me and experienced. And, uh, you know, that's just one of the things that you have to kind of come to terms with it as you build the company of trying to bring around people who are way smarter than you. Sounds like a good move, but you're, you're very smart, Keith. You're very smart. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Listen, some things I'm, I'm better at, but. <laughs> but when you say this industry, what do you, what do you mean? Cause there was nothing like bus, right? Before bus, right? Right. So there were incumbents in the space. Um, when I say incumbents, I mean, uh, technology solutions that are you know, hosted on premise. They are clunky hardware devices. Um, 
there have been solutions out there to do things like school bus routing, to do things like school bus GPS, um, things like parent bus tracking apps, but like bringing it into one kind of integrated picture and a product that's really simple, easy to use, also affordable and flexible. That's kind of where, where we play in the market. And what has been the best, like, I, this is so like cheesy, like I don't want to say yeah. like, what's been the most rewarding thing from this all? But like, do you remember your first, I don't know, maybe like really great review or like the first time it felt like you were really doing like the right thing? Oof, um, there's a couple things. One was when a driver who didn't speak English well mm -hmm. started telling me that like they're more confident um, taking on new routes uh, because they get turn-by-turn -turn navigation instead of having to read fine print English text yeah. at 6.30 in the morning when it's pitch blackout and they can't even read English well. Um, you know, a lot of drivers that, that we that we work with, um, English is not their first language. And so building a product that can make school bus driving more accessible to more people and, and increase their confidence, that is very meaningful. Separately, um, I think closing this more, more recent round of funding, that, that was a big win for us and being able to partner with um, you know, some of the, the first investors in companies like Uber and SpaceX and the founder of Kayak, the founder of Quizlet, uh, some of the earliest folks at companies like Lyft and Postmates, like that's a dream come true. I mean, obviously, but going back to your first point, um, first of all, that's an ama so amazing. I didn't even realize or really put together that that would be such a struggle because when you don't have a struggle, like you don't realize that it's right. a struggle for right. someone else. Um, is there a way on the app to maybe can they get commands like in a different language? Like if that would be easier for them? So right now, no, um, but it's actually, it's not too much of a hurdle just because uh, you, you can get visual too. So like if you're following Google oh. Maps and you didn't know the language, right. you'd probably still be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't run into too significant of an issue there, but it is something that we're thinking about as we, as we grow. Cool. Um, and then in terms of like, you're being a CEO in college. I know that you like, don't really like, maybe you don't like the title or maybe like you're just playing it cool, but like you're a CEO in college, dude. Like, yeah. What, whatever. Like <laughs> having that title, I mean, you can be the CEO and have like a M MVP of a product. You can be the CEO and have a $10 billion business. Um, you know, so we just, being the CEO, I don't think should be success in and of itself. I think it's what you're the CEO of and, mm -hmm. and the impact of that. I okay. think that, that's, that's the true meaning of success. So in terms of forget the CEO part, you're, you have your own business in college. How have you been able to kind of juggle it all while still trying to have a normal college life? If you were able to have a normal college life, whatever normal means to you, like maybe it was a little different because I'm sure this took up a lot of your free time. Um, but like, what was it like trying to do it all? Good questions. Um, oh man, that's a loaded question. So take your time. Things there. I'll start off by saying, I think that building a company in college is a whole lot easier than building a company when you have children, which you don't have right now, which I don't have right now. Right. Okay. Um, and it's also a whole lot easier than when you have, um, a, a, a uh, if you're married, right? Or, mm -hmm. And maybe you're thinking about moving or a whole other host of challenges that happen as you start to get older. Right now, I have very few responsibilities <laughs> other than trying to build a billion dollar business. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, so I think when you look at it in that perspective where there's like this incredible safety net while you're still um, you know, in college, there's also an immense amount of resources at your fingertips. And you can get by with like, you can try new things and, and 
you know, have it all be a learning experience. Now, you know, building a company shouldn't just be a learning experience. You should be trying to make a ton of money as well and have a lot of impact. But um, it's a lot easier to do than when you're off in the real, like in the real world and you're graduated, let's say, and you might have a family and you might be moving or like I mentioned, the, a lot of other things that, that get thrown at you. So um, I think student founders get a little too much credit because students um, generally, regardless of your major, have so much time. If you you have the entire weekend by yourself, like that in and of itself, when do you have that in life? Like when you're married, when you have kids, like when do you have the entire weekend 100% you get to decide that's the entire day. And then also you have classes, but what is that? Three, four hours a day? There's so much extra time. And so with that extra time, it's just a matter of what you do with it. Um, and yeah, like the past couple of years in college, I might have gone out twice, but mm -hmm. um, I absolutely loved either spending time with my girlfriend or uh, building bus rider, do, usually doing both at a coffee shop together. What's your favorite coffee shop here? Oh, Tate, by far. Oh my God. Okay. My roommate works at Tate right here. And um, where, where am I right now? The Brookline one? The Brookline Tate. I am not familiar with that Tate. I know most Tates in Boston. Huh? Okay, well, you got to get to this one when my roommate's working there. But she literally <laughs> always brings home, whenever she's working like the night shift, she always brings home like a bunch of stuff because they like give it away if they're perishable yeah. or it just gets tossed. And like Super Bowl Sunday, she was working the night shift and she brought home like the biggest box of like dozens of things. And I was like, this is the best Super Bowl feast I've ever had in my whole entire life. It was free and it's sugar and <laughs> it was amazing. But Tate, okay, I don't drink coffee. So I don't really do the whole coffee shop thing for coffee. I'm more in it for like yeah. the vibe or like the pastry. Um, but okay, good to know. We should go. Let me, yeah, yeah, we, we should. Let, let me tell you a quick story. Um, I was trying to figure out if I should move back to Boston at some point in the past year. I'm not, I don't even remember it all blends together. So I called Tate and my decision was based off of whether they were open or not. So I said, are, are people able to work at Tate? And they said, no, we don't even know when we're going to open up. And I sh shut down the phone and I'm like, I'm not going back to Boston. Yeah, that, I, oh, that I is... live at Tate. Make your own coffee, Keith. Make your own coffee. You know what? It's a, it's $5 to be in a hyper productive, uh, work environment, sit at that gold bar right around the barista, um, and have a lot of fun while doing it. It's, it is so worth it. Guys, if you're not sold on going to Tate at this point, like I just go, just go. It, it's an experience. It is really nice in there. I will say the ambiance is fabulous. Um, Plus the foam on the top of the vanilla lattes are, are unparalleled, but anyway we digress clearly this is very off topic but um before Tate you were saying okay so you went out in college like twice whatever but this is you were doing things that were more important to you so For like my freshman year my first semester I had a lot of fun other you have done anything differently the over these past couple years in college like are you nothing I, I don't regret any, any of the decisions okay. that I made um, but I definitely am coming out of college with a lot less friends than I think other people um, are coming out of college, but that's okay. I don't think you need a ton of friends. Yeah, I know. You have, you have, I'll, I'll be your friend, Keith. I'll be your friend. Add me to your list. Add me to your list. So normally post-college, like you would be, you're graduating in a little bit. Normally this is like an insanely stressful time for anyone your age just trying to figure out what they're doing post-college especially now with covid like the workforce is just like not even it's just unbelievable so are you what are your post-college plans like obviously you're working for yourself kind of right but like do you feel kind of a little 
a little less um, stressed. And now that school is over, like you're going to be able to focus on bus rate like 100 percent. Yeah, um, a little less stressed, I'm not sure. I have to figure out how to uh, bring bus right nationwide, and we're hiring full roles right now, and that's a bit stressful, and most of the people that we're hiring, I, some of them have families that we, you know, that, that are using this as kind of their, their sole means of putting food on the table, and, um, you know, being able to service our customers in, in several different states, and not even just customers, but like several different stakeholders within each customer, parents, routers, dispatchers, mechanics, superintendents, principals, all that good stuff. Um, and also at the same time, show enough growth to our investors where they're going to be interested in continue funding our, our journey. Uh, it is it is definitely like the, the, the low stress is not something that, that comes along with it. That just made uh, me stressed out. Yeah, that just got me stressed for you. But yeah, yeah, I think, you know, people look at the, the fancy headlines of like, oh, bus rate raises two point five million dollars. Then when you really unpack it, it's like you raise that money, you have you our investors are looking for this to be a billion dollar business and having that hang over your head where you have to build a billion dollar business uh, is definitely stressful. It's also uh, incredibly motivating. Just think about it like the three bucks in the cafeteria, Keith. You'll give it, you'll get oh, it back. Man. You'll give it back. <laughs> I could have bought a lot of sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. What, this is kind of like a basic question, but like advice you would give to someone who has an idea that they don't think has been done before? Like what would their first steps be if you didn't have access to the resources you did? Like what would they do? Yeah. So the most important thing is customer feedback, customer interest, and actually having customers pay for your product. And where universities fail, including Northeastern, is they set up all these beautiful pitch competitions and celebration events for their founders and grant opportunities. And not a lot of it revolves around feedback from customers and paying customers. And yet the only thing that actually matters for a business is if you have happy paying customers. And so it's, it's quite backward because I took a intro to business course my freshman year. I had to write a 49 page business plan and that was, that was a horrible class. Um, <laughs> for anyone listening to Northeastern, do not, t- it's a requirement, but it was, it was brutal. Uh, one of my least favorite classes ever. Anyway, so you're writing this business plan, but that's not actually where any learning happens. I, I didn't learn anything writing this business plan. I just looked up what the market looks like and I wrote a ton about it. I looked up how the product interfaces with customers and I wrote a ton about it and the list goes on. But you learn like when you actually go to customers and you show them, hey, I created this new cap and they're like, no, that sucks and they don't buy it. That's when you're learning because then you're like, wait, how do I make it more attractive to them? Right. How do I price this? How do I market it? How do I message it in the world of thousands of bottle caps, right? Now, I'm just using that example because it's in my hand right now, but that's just where so much of the learning comes. And then how do you build out a team to support this new fundamental way of thinking about a bottle cap that's more reusable, sustainable, and a lot smaller, and it's got a really cool kind of, anyway, I'm not gonna pitch this bottle cap in this carton, but anyway. Um, and then how do you build a team around that? Because working with other people, is by far the hardest part of building a company. Um, man, you know, you can you can hire someone to build a technology. You can hire someone to you know write blogs, but integrating them all together such that you're building a culture that fosters you know creativity and people are um, you know nice to each other and they want to see each other grow and it's not too cutthroat, but it's also the right amount of competitiveness and you're also caring about your customers and all your other stakeholders. Like factoring all of these different perspectives in, in one, like that's the learning. So what I would say to someone um, is go right to the point of learning and, 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 and growth, which is talking to your customers. If you have customers, that's, that cures a lot. 
You, for someone who said that everyone that works for you is smarter than you, you sound so smart and brilliant and well-spoken when you talk. And like, it's so evident that you're so passionate about not even bus ride, but like, it just sounds like you're passionate about entrepreneurship in general and like being able to help others. And I feel like just so incredible. But lastly, what's the hardest? Yeah, you're welcome. Um, What is the hardest thing or like hurdle that you've had to either overcome since starting your own company or what something that you didn't expect? Like we don't get just like in high school, we don't learn how to do taxes or anything. We don't get prepared to run our own company one day, like and what kind of comes with that. So what has been some, some, you know, unexpectancies? Yeah, I can do the whole like payroll, HR, benefits, all that stuff. That's, that's a mess. But I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'll do something a little more interesting. During COVID, when mm-hmm. we closed our last financing round at, at $500,000, we're like, we have this, all these resources, we're hiring new team members, and then we're going to go sell this product, and all of a sudden, uh, COVID hits, right. and all school buses are off the road. And we're trying to figure out what the heck are we doing? And you And you sell this vision to people, both your investors, your team members, and it's this vision around safely mobilizing our nation's future. And all of a sudden, that can't happen for maybe a year, two years, three years. We had no idea. So what do you do in that situation? I was going to bed every night not knowing whether our business was going to be alive for the past, you know, since Mar- since early March last year. Um, you know, and, and regardless of having that funding or not, you have to put that to work and you have to grow because there were other businesses that were growing incredibly fast because of COVID, particularly in the technology world. So. How are we going to how are we going to be competitive in that funding environment where you're going after investors who, you know, you get one yes for every 100 no's? How is that going to work, especially in a funding environment where investors aren't even investing anymore, uh, uh, you know, especially in those early days? So with all that to say, that was a very difficult time trying to wrap my head around how do I communicate what's going on at a macro level to our team? How do we evolve our product to serve potentially adjacent transportation opportunities, which ultimately we did. And we ended up routing over $300,000 worth of goods, whether it was like coffee, donuts, oysters, just to help small businesses with our routing, driver navigation, kind of customer tracking technology all revolved around a school bus. So we did that for some time um, to to some success, but it was every day trying to figure out like, is this business going to be alive? And I think one of the, one of the hardest parts about startups is you have to grow at a certain rate. Otherwise, you will not be able to raise that next round of funding. And most people don't realize that if you can't raise that next round of funding, you're out of business. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to understand that because it looks like so many businesses are raising money if you're in the tech world. You look at the TechCrunch articles that come out all the time. Uh, but the reality is so many companies aren't growing fast enough. And if you're not, uh, you don't get to continue on with your journey. And when your whole market shuts down overnight, and your key team members are leaving. Um, that was just a, a bunch of nightmares after one after the next, and it was it was it was not fun. I literally can't even imagine how much stress that must have put on. I yeah, I'll say that paled in comparison to when I got a call. Oh, not not that long ago where our tablets were smoking on buses and they were melting uh, oh. on school buses with children. I'll tell you right now, that's a really bad call to get, especially when that customer is, is your testimonial for your lead <laughs> investor who's calling them the next day. Great. So that is really not fun. Um, but anyway, that, that's, that's, part, that's part of the fun, I guess, at the end of the day where you, if you can make it out alive and it's, uh, you get to celebrate a lot with your team. I mean, it sounds, I don't think I'll be starting my own 
company anytime soon because this just sounds like something that I don't know if I'd be able to handle to be quite honest like all of it just sounds like a lot but so the fact it's really admirable that you're able to do all of this like I cannot praise you enough throughout this entire call like if I had known back when you know I had to give you three dollars I would have paid accepted the three dollars back because um if I had known a year ago, you were not longer that you were this awesome, I would have tried to loop you into the bus right world. But anyway, it's like, it's like, it's like. Hey, I'm graduating next year. Maybe I'll come work for Bus Right. All righty. So Keith actually had to hop off of the Happiness Talks call because he had another call. Um, we totally lost track of time while chatting, and it's totally fine. I enjoyed this episode so much. So, Keith. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to speak to me. It was so good catching up with you. I love seeing all that you're doing. Um, And to all of you guys who are listening and who have listened to this episode, thank you for listening. I hope that it inspired you guys to, you know, go back to that random business idea you had once upon a time because this episode just goes to show you that anything is possible if you just, you know, put a little work into it. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this podcast episode and remember to smile. It's good for you.